following teaching is from the Warrior's Heart Bible Study for Men. You can find us on the web at warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day. Guys, it's good to be with y'all at 6.30 in the morning, which is awesome to be able to do. So thanks for being here, which is great. And being the great leader that I am... I noticed when I walked in today that I'd taken my car keys and my wife's car keys with me to church today, so I just called her and figured out we have an extra set, so that was good, or I was going to have to leave in my leadership to go give those back, but so uh, everybody makes mistakes early in the morning type thing. Um, I have a packet for you. If you'll grab that, we're going to take some notes. Um, First of all, let's define leadership together. Leadership is being a person of influence and impact. That's what it means to be a leader to be a person of influence and impact. So I don't want you to get in your mind that you're not the boss at wherever you work, so therefore you're not the leader. You are a leader in your home, your family, your neighborhood. You're a person of influence. You're a person of impact. That makes a huge difference to be able to have that. I pray almost every day. You know, you never want to say you do something every day because there's days that you miss. But I pray almost every day for the last 20 years, I pray for two things, wisdom and leadership. I mean, every day, numerous times a day, I'm, I'm just, Lord, give me wisdom, give me leadership. Lord, give me wisdom, give me leadership. And I've seen those prayers be answered in my life in times that I've needed wisdom and God's given me wisdom. Um, I've needed leadership and God's given me leadership. So I would encourage you, if you get nothing else, if you'll begin praying those two things, asking for that in your life. It's not, I'm not asking for a new vocation. I'm not asking for an, uh, uh, a promotion. I'm just asking for leadership in my life and leadership uh, that would have wisdom with it as well, and letting God provide that through the years. It's been faithful. He's been faithful to do that, which is great. So you are a leader. Let's just establish that from the very beginning. Wherever you're leading, whatever level you're leading at, however many people you're leading, even if you're just leading yourself, that's okay. You're a person of influence and a person of impact. Here's what leaders get to do. Um, my, My daughter, we buy her these books. I think we get them like at Michael's if you think it's a good idea. But what they are is they're, they look like storybooks, right? And she made a little cover here on it. And, and then what she does is they're blank pages, and she gets to write her own stories in this. And it feels really official because it's hardback, it's paper. You know, it's not a spiral. It it's comes in, like, I think packs of three or four. And so we give her these, and she's now, she likes to write stories. So we talk about that, you know, maybe we'll write a book together one day or we'll do something like that. So this one... Um, she had a big heart on it. I asked if I could borrow. And then it's got blank pages, but she started filling the pages up. And so it begins, once upon a time, there lived a young girl. And then she starts telling her little story with a picture of a truck. This is what leaders get. Leaders get a blank page to write on. Leaders get a blank page to write on. Now, you may feel like you've already got a script because you've got a boss, you've got an employer, you've got somebody above you, and you definitely have to follow their script. You've got to play that song. That's for, for sure. But at the same time, when you're a leader, you get to write in a blank book. And I think a lot of us as men feel like somebody has assigned us a book like when we were in 10th grade. said, I want you to read The Great Gatsby, and I don't care if you like it or not, this is what you're going to do as a vocation. I want you to read this, and I don't care if you like it or not in your marriage or your parenting, this is what you've got to do. And we start finding this, this place that's actually hemming us in instead of freeing us up. You don't have to be a creative type that you're going to just sit down and write stories or paint paintings. That's not what I'm saying. But leaders get a blank page, a blank canvas in which to write on. And that frees us up to be able to say, Lord, what do you want to do with my life? I love this phrase. You were born an original. Don't die a copy. 
You're born an original, don't die a copy. God has placed you in your life, in your influence. I can't have the influence in your life that you have. We've got to be able to place that. So think about that as a blank book you get to write on. You get to dream. You get to say, Lord, what do you want to do with this? And, and even if you're in some, some confines of, of your industry, you can still say, okay, what's the best way of doing this and being able to do that? So that's a great thing to be able to do that. There's three things I want to give you on leadership. Um, leaders do three things that are going to be able to, to be in our, our lives and our hearts as we write in these blank pages. The first one is leaders have vision. Leaders have vision. Now, before you go, oh, I've, all, I've heard this before. Let's, let's just let that seep in. Leadership requires vision. What is vision? Vision is asking the question, what are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to accomplish? We want to have vision so that we can have the ability to say, Lord, we want you to do your work in our lives. So what are we trying to accomplish? What we're trying to accomplish here at the church is we're trying to be a relevant biblical community. You've heard me say that before. That's what we're trying to accomplish. So in this past season, relevant doesn't have anything to do with about being cool, really, in any season. Relevant had everything to do with a shovel, a sledgehammer, a wheelbarrow, and getting to people's houses. That's what was the most relevant thing that we could do in Houston. So what are we trying to accomplish? Do you have a vision for what you're trying to accomplish in your children? Do you have a vision for what you're trying to accomplish in your grandchildren? Do you have a vision what you're trying to accomplish in your workplace? Doesn't, I'm not just talking about like a mission statement you hang on the wall that nobody ever reads. I'm talking about a thought in your mind of what am I trying to accomplish with these kids, with this marriage? What am I trying to accomplish? Because if not, what will happen in your home, you will end up being a roommate instead of a soulmate with your, your spouse. So your wife will become a roommate instead of a soulmate. You've delegated these duties to her. She's delegated these duties to you. You just parallel play the whole time to be able to go along. Marriage is frustrating enough without having a soul connection. Right? Just trying to relate with a woman is hard enough, right? Can I get an amen at 6.30 in the morning, right? So, it's, and then God bless them, but they're just different, right? I mean, they're tremendously inefficient, you know? I mean, <clears throat> just, it's like tremendously inefficient. But part of what they're doing is teaching us that efficiency is not the goal, right? God, in a way, is tremendously inefficient. Now, let me say that not heresy, but this is what I mean. Joshua walked around the wall seven times. That's inefficient. Walk around the wall once, let the wall fall, take it over, right? That's efficiency. But God had to teach him something in seven times around. And sometimes we're learning things from our spouse that we don't realize we need to be learning. We need to be learning. And when we just have efficiency as the goal, we've lost the vision for a relationship between a husband and a wife. Your wife's going to spend money on things you don't want to spend money on. She's going to spend more money on things that, that you want. You don't want to spend money on. It's going to cost you, whatever it is. She's going to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. This morning, Kelly, I woke up, went to Kroger before I got here because Grayson wanted some pineapples for breakfast. So she went, he, she'd been, he mentioned it last night, went to Kroger and got pineapples and came back. I thought, this is tremendously inefficient, right? I mean, what would I do as a dad? Grayson, you hungry? There's Go get you some cereal. I don't even care if there's milk, right? You, I mean, you just eat it dry. So that's how it goes. But for her, that's part of her making a home. Now, what do I need in a vision of my life? I need a woman to help make a home, right? Because I'm coming to speak with you all. I'm going and doing it. I got things going on outside the home. So it's a blessing. So what's the vision that you're trying to accomplish? Three things on this um, that I want to tell you. Number one, clarity is key. Clarity is key. 
it'd be better for you to have a clear, small vision than a grand, ambiguous vision. Okay? Hear that again. It'd be better for you to have a, a clear, small vision than a grand, ambiguous vision. Everybody wants to, you know, make a million dollars. Well, how are you going to make a dollar? That's what you got to figure out, right? It's not how you make a million dollars. how you make a dollar. It's how you make a hundred dollars. How do you make a thousand dollars? Have a clear vision of something, even if it's smaller, have that clarity of being able to say, how am I going to spend time with my kids this week? How am I going to spend time with things they enjoy doing? How am I going to be involved in their lives? How are we going to make dinner time a place that everybody's not on their phone? Make dinner time a place that the TV's not on? Make dinner time that's a place that you can connect. So what we do at dinner is we sit down and we say, okay, what's your high? What's your low of the day? And we go around the table sometimes. What's your high? What's the best part of your day? What's the worst part of your day? I love hearing that from my kids. I love hearing that from my wife. I love being able to be the dad that sits at the table and goes, you know what? I had a sorry day. What does that do? That teaches them. Now, if I do that every day, it's like, okay, who brought the lemons to the table every night, right? But to be able to do that. So that's a small little thing. But that vision for dinner then oozes into a vision for the home it oozes into a vision for our lives. It oozes in for a vision of what we're doing. If I just say, I want to be a great dad, well, being a great dad is very ambiguous. If I say, I want to be a great dad and I want to spend time with my kids, then I'm going to get out in the yard and I'm going to play with my kids. So have clarity of your vision. Clarity of your vision. Number two, seek God on this. Seek God on this. As Eric said, don't just run off doing something. Spend time with the Lord. Get away with the Lord. If you were to go away and spend two hours working on your business, not just in your business, it will make a huge difference. And most men are working in their business, working in their lives, and they're never spending any time working on their business, on their lives. What I do, you may don't have the ability to do this, but um, one day a month I get away and I just work on the ministry, not in the ministry. My sermon preparation hopefully is done, not always done. I go on a Thursday. I get away outside the building, um, go someplace pretty, hopefully, you know, as much as you can do in our area of the country. You know, I can't go to the mountains, but you get to Galveston or you get to a park or, you know, something that's a hunt retreat that we have out uh, with our church in Brookshire. Get away and just get with the Lord and work on the ministry. So spend time with God on your vision of what it is. Here's the deal. God's power always accompanies God's ideas. God's power always accompanies God's ideas. And if you want God's power in your life, get God's idea first. My life. I spent a couple years, not too many years, but a couple years coming up with messages that I was then asking the Lord to bless. You know what's better? Lord, what's the message you have? Your blessing's already on it. So, you know, I was playing for First John for all this year. I was ready to go. I mean, I got my research. I got it outlined. We're not doing First John, right? Harvey hit. We need to stay more nimble. I'm going to speak on anxiety the next two weekends. Because I'm just like, Lord, where do we need to be? Well, his blessing already accompanies that. So clarity is key. Seek God on this. And then number three, walk it out. Walk it out. Um, William Carey, uh, some would call him the father of modern missions. Um, and modern missions would be like from the 1800s. Um, William Carey, he said this, I've learned the secret of my success is I've learned how to plod. Secret of my success is I've learned how to plod. What does that mean? That means that you just wake up and one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. How do you get someplace? You get someplace by taking a step at a time. Everybody else wants to get on the moving sidewalk, right, and end up at the place. Man, you can't do that. So vision comes from clarity, from seeking God, and from walking it out step by step. Number two, 
Leadership values, leadership values. This is what guides the vision, okay? Leadership values, this is what guides the vision. Values guide our vision. Now, values are tremendously important to us as believers in Christ. I mean, those are huge. But what happens is sometimes we leave those on Sunday and we don't operate in our values on Monday through Friday. Great leaders have great values. They have certain lines that they say, you know what? I'm not going to be able to do that. And if you get fired over being honest, get fired over being honest. And then go to your next employer and say, let me tell you why I got fired. I got fired because I'm a man of integrity. And that guy, if he's worth his salt or that lady, will say, you're the kind of person I want on our staff to be able to do that. God will take care of you on those sort of things. But what happens, we cheat, we cheat, we cheat, we cheat, and all of a sudden we end up in this place where we're like, how do we get here? I mean, how did, how did uh, Bernie Madoff end up where he ended up, ended, ended up, right? That was step by step by step by step by step, lie by lie by lie by lie. You got to tell a lie to cover a lie to cover a lie to cover a lie. So you got to have values. You got to have values. Um, now, this is, I'll give you a little illustration. I put on their CVS because I wanted to take this kind of outside the church and I'll bring it back inside the church. This is the CVS website. Um, that uh, is, you know, the, the drug company that we all know. We all go to CVS. And I went on their website because I'd heard something interesting about CVS. CVS decided to stop selling cigarettes, okay? They lost millions of dollars because they stopped selling cigarettes. Millions of dollars. Why did they do that? They did that because their desire was to make people healthier. That was their desire. So look at their values, if you will, um, that are there. Uh, who we are, a pharmacy innovation company, our strategy, reinventing pharmacy, our purpose, okay, this is the cigarette part, helping people on their path to better health. Where do cigarettes fit in with that? Helping people on their path to better health, okay? Our values, innovation, collaboration, caring, integrity, accountability. So you could do innovation and collaboration and still sell cigarettes, couldn't you? You can't really do caring if your purpose is to make people's health better and say that you're selling cigarettes. You can't really do integrity and say our purpose is to make people's health better and do that. You can't really hold people accountable to saying how are you making people's health better and still sell cigarettes. So they came to a place that few businesses come to. Our purpose is for the health of people. So now watch this. We're going to lose millions of dollars in order to live out our purpose and our values. What happens typically in, in business realms? I'm not just picking on business. We could, we could pick on church in just a second. We'll pick on church. Our purpose is to make better health, but we kind of all know our purpose is to make money, right? Our values are stockholder appreciating of stocks going up. Our stockholders, that's to keep them happy. That's our number one value. Keep the stockholders happy. Our number one purpose is to make money, and then let's just put something else on the website because it makes us look better because everybody likes to give and it's this kind of philanthropy type society that we're in right now. They actually stuck with their values. And hear me, it cost them millions of dollars. Eckerd Drugs, you remember Eckerd Drugs? Good old Eckerd's, they'd have the little gate that would open up when you walk into Eckerd's. You'd stand on the mat that would sense your weight. And, and I thought that was so cool as a kid. CVS actually bought out, I think, 1,200 Eckerd Drugs. The reason we don't see Eckerd Drugs is because of, um, of, of CVS buying them out. Eckerd Drugs, the guy that started Eckerd Drugs, his name was John Eckerd, um, and he uh, was, was a guy that started Eckerd's, you know, took it from this small little thing, shoo, all these franchises. 
He got saved in 1983, became a Christian, trusted Christ as his Savior, walked into his Eckerd Drugs and saw the pornography that they were selling at Eckerd Drugs. At that days, it was probably, you know, Playboy and Hustler. It wasn't, you know, internet kind of stuff back in those days. But he saw this and he was like, how can I do this as a believer in Christ? There's a problem with this. So he wasn't the president at the time. He wrote a letter to the president and said, we need to stop selling this. The president wrote back and said, but it's going to cost us millions of dollars. We need to stop selling this. He decided to stop selling it. He then wrote letters to all the other different pharmacies, 7-Elevens, da-da-da-da, and he ended up 1,200 stores across the nation stopped selling pornography. Okay? What is that about? That's about values, isn't it? It's there's something more important than the bottom line. We as men are always looking for the bottom line. It might not be money. What's the accomplishment? What's the trophy? What's the plaque? What's the fame? What's the this? What's the that? And I'm telling you that great leaders, you got to operate from your values more than you operate from just the bottom line. Does that make sense? So CVS doing it. Ecker Drugs doing it. Our church has values. We have three staff values is what we have. Godly, effective, and excellent. I have given you in your packet our entire playbook so that you can see it. Total transparency. This is what I share with the staff at different places, different times. And I share with them godly, effective, and excellent. So if you'll turn over for just a second, I want to show you page two there. It's on the back of the, the graphic there with the heart. Verse of scripture there. And we won't hit all this, but I'm giving you some quotes and some things you can take and use later. Godly, trusting God in resource and relationship. Okay, you get all the little things on that. I give some, some characteristics, 10 characteristics of what it means to be godly. Godly quotes there. You go to page two. Uh, or it would actually be page three. Effective is what it begins at the top there. Effective, need identified, best route pursued, and growth achieved. Okay, need identified, best route pursued, and growth achieved. Then the next one, excellent. Time and energy and resources given to surpass basic function and expectation. I also use the word at times with different people, some of our artsy folks, they like the word instead of excellent, elegant. You know, excellent sounds so businessy, right? And I'm like, hey, I was a business major, that's how I think. You know, elegant, artsy, makes it, make it pretty, make it good, make it something that, that it surpasses basic expectations, that you didn't think you were going to get it. Hopefully, this is me being excellent by giving you our staff values and printing them out for you so you can go home for, with them with all these quotes, all these books, all this stuff, giving you more than maybe what you thought you would get on today. So godly, effective, and excellent. I think if we remove one of those, we got a problem. I don't want, and you don't want, a church that is effective and excellent. And people are having affairs, and people are stealing money, and people don't even know how to spell G-O-D. I mean, that's a problem. At the same time, we can have everybody godly and everybody praying, but if nobody's actually doing the ministry, then we got an effectiveness problem, right? That's what we have in Christianity. I call it the bless your heart ministry. It stinks. It's terrible. But we say, bless their heart. That's so nice. That's so sweet. You show up at the church, and it's like the worst graphics you could ever see, the worst planning you could ever see, the worst content you could ever see. Everybody just kind of comes out of Christian guilt. We want, and what's happened for us, is we've had actually companies come and say, how do y'all do your graphics? How do you do your planning? How do you do your leadership? What's going on with that? We want to be a shining light on a, on a hill, not to show off, but that we could be godly and we could be effective and we could really get something done. And we want to do it with excellence. We don't want everybody, every time you talk about excellence, you got to bring up Chick-fil-A and Starbucks, bring up a church and talk about how excellence is being done and, and say, let's go for it on that. So that's our staff values, our performance development reviews that happen every single year. 
are based upon godly, effective, excellent. That's how we sit down and talk to the people that report to us and say, hey, okay, let's talk about this. You did great on godly. You didn't do as well on effective. You didn't do as well on excellent, whatever it is. Let's talk through these and be able to do this. You'll see on name tags of some of our staff that have little more of our facility staff, it says godly, effective, and excellent on it. We do it at Thanksgiving. We have a staff party. We used to do it at Christmas, but we're all too busy at Christmas. We do it now at Thanksgiving. We have awards that we give out, godly, effective, and excellent awards that are given there. It's through the whole thing. So our values are guiding our vision. And if we don't have vision, we got a problem. But if we don't have values, we got a problem as well. So great leaders are going to have values. So let me, before we move to the next point, let me ask you this question. Maybe you could take these values and you could use them in what you do. You know, a friend of mine, he's in the school industry. He took these and he said, said he actually took our mission statement, relevant biblical community, and he made it rigorous, academic community. That's what their school's theme was. Rigorous, it was going to be tough. Academic, we're going to learn something. Community, we're going to build together on the football teams and do this sort of thing together. Take this and make it your own. Figure out how it works for you to be able to operate in these values. Number three, leadership velocity. Leadership velocity. This is something that we miss as leaders. What is the velocity of leadership? The speed of the vision. Here's the truth. Fatigue weakens vision. Fatigue weakens vision. If I stepped up right now in October and said to the staff, hey guys, we got a brand new vision. We're doing this, this, and this. Do you know what would happen? I would actually deflate the staff tremendously because they have been working countless hours for the month of September on Harvey. You know, we reassigned the entire staff. A Sunday night, I was getting into bed. The Lord seeking the Lord on vision. What do we need to do? God, I'm feeling overwhelmed. And we put everybody was reassigned to um, disaster relief. Everybody in the, in the church was reassigned to disaster relief. So that's all we've been doing. And if I stepped up and said, hey, I got this new idea. We're in a no new idea zone, okay? And for me as a creative, innovator type idea, I got a new idea every day. But here's what I do. I have a journal I write the new ideas in. And you know what? About 10 days later, that's not a really, a, it's a new idea. It's not a good idea, but it's a new idea. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I didn't shoot it out on day one, right? Because I need some time to figure out if it's a new idea or a good idea to be able to do. So I write it down. I keep it there. I look. And you know what? A lot of times I just fall off the calendar. Ah, we don't need to do that anymore. Ah, that's not, But I get my creative juices. They keep flowing. So you've got to have the right velocity as a leader with your wife. You know, it says in the word, you know, treat your wives in an understanding way that she's a weaker vessel. That's fine china. That's not any male chauvinistic, you know, the NBC would take that and run with it. It is not that. It is a weaker vessel in china, fine china. You and I are, we're kind of uh, plates and or, or, or steel pans and pots. They're fine china. You got to be delicate with her. Here's the deal. You're probably running in gear five and she probably runs in gear three and your life is maybe in gear four. You're like, hey, let's do something tonight. She's like, do something tonight. Oh my gosh, I'm worn out. Then you hear what she did that day and you're like, that's like a day off is what that sounds like, right? That's not even hitting my radar. You did what? And that was, and you're frazzled? That's like awesome. Could we trade? I mean, that's incredible. Now, if they got small kids around them, I mean, you know, it's, it's harder than what you're doing for sure. But there's just, they just, I've learned in my marriage, and this is, no, I, my wife is an amazing, amazing lady. 
She is an SUV. I am like a Honda Prius, okay? I can go a long way on a short amount of gas. She can go a short way on a big amount of gas. She needs refueling more than I need refueling. She doesn't like to go as quick as I like to go. She likes to chill. She wants to sit, all those sort of things. That's why ladies like tea, right? You know, just sit and talk type of thing. Just got to, you got to realize the vision is going to be limited by the velocity. If you put the pedal down and you don't ever lift the pedal up, you're going you're gonna to burn the engine out, right? So you got to be able to pull back. Got to be able to say no. Velocity will, or fatigue will weaken the vision. What's the velocity? <clears throat> My velocity as a leader has been very high in the month of August and the month of September. I'm pulling back. I got to. So this Monday, we had all the Loop staff, and other campuses are going to do whatever they need to do at their campus, um, but the Loop staff, because I didn't want to make everybody drive in, right? Because what we can do is every campus come and meet here. Well, I got to really make sure it's worth it if I'm going to make them drive in from Cyprus and Siena and downtown to get here. So at the Loop, we met at Corner Books, 3.30 on Monday. I said, free coffee. We're all going to hang out. And we just got down there, had coffee wasn't like it was a big gift to them. I mean, it's a dollar a cup, and I think the you know, staff doesn't care. But we got in one room. We divided up into groups in three and four, and I said, tell what you've been doing for Hurricane Harvey to, the, to your group, and let's pray together. What was that? Total encouragement. If I would have shown up and said, okay, guys, here's what we're doing. Man, we've canceled First Fest because we don't have the bandwidth to be able to do 2,000 people showing up with inflatable games. And I know Adam's like, praise God for that, right? Because you're in charge of a lot of that. It's awesome. But we could, I don't, I mean, I don't do anything for First Fest, but show up, right? So what could I do? Adam, get after it. Well, Adam's been working like a champ over here, doing so much stuff with all the supply. We've done a great job. And so all this stuff happening with that, I mean, put the pedal down. I'll kill Adam and who Adam represents. We're not doing celebration. We take all of our, our people out of homes, of repairing homes, so that we can do rehearsals. That's wrong. Shouldn't do that. So then we just put on the end of all the choir, and hey, you missed two months of rehearsals, but we're still doing it. That's a lot of pressure. We're not doing celebration. We're pulling back on that. We're changing the men's retreat to be able to do a men's conference, as you'll hear about or you've heard about. And so velocity, you've got to watch the velocity. And that's something I've learned recently. My velocity is often too high. I know that about myself. I've got to pull that back, and I've got to understand not everybody operates at the same velocity. There's times to run. There's times to rest. There's times to run. There's times to rest. I like to say it like this. Service and Sabbath. Service and Sabbath. I did a little Facebook Live video on that this week. Service and Sabbath. You've got to have a rhythm. We live in a culture of service, 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 service. We don't live in a culture of Sabbath. So we've got to be able to do that. So um, that's what I wanted to tell you. And then we're going to do, I've been running through this, uh, high velocity. So now we can slow down and we can just do Q&A a little bit. Um, we've got about 25 minutes to be able to do that. But here's what we have. Vision is what you're trying to accomplish in leadership. Values is what guides your vision. And then your velocity is what enables you to get your vision done. And if you have too fast a velocity, you're going to wreck the vision. You don't have any values you're going to be all over the map. You don't have any vision, you don't know what you're doing. These three things got to come together in work, in home, in your spiritual life as well. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. 
We hope you can join us in person. We meet Thursday mornings at 6.30 a.m. in the Garden Room of Houston's First Baptist Church. For more details and to register, you can visit us on the web at warriorsheart.org. That's warriorsheart.org. Have a great day.